Open your copy of God's Word to Philippians chapter 1. Looking this morning at verses 12 through 18. Good job on the clarinet, by the way. No goose call there. Hear now God's word. I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. I knew a guy in um, high school. He was a year ahead of me, so he graduated. I'm now a senior in high school, and he decided to just go straight into career. Didn't quite know what he wanted to do, but he, didn't, he knew he didn't want to go to college. So he signed up with one of the temporary employment agencies, and he loved it. He was thrilled. He didn't he had no aspirations to go anywhere else for, for a long time because in a temp organization, they move you to a different company. Like every week, depending on how, what the need of that other company was. And he liked that because it gave him a whole new audience to share Christ with. And I thought, I don't know anybody like that. But so he had worked for a company. He says, I get to talk about Christ. They don't like me. They kick me back to the temp agency and they send me to another one. And I get to talk about Christ. And then they kick me to another one and I get to talk about Christ. And I said, man, unbelievable. You should have been a preacher or something. One day his car broke down on the side of the road. I find out about it the next day. I said, well, that must have been a bad experience. He said, no, man. He says, people came by to help me and I talked about Christ. I got to go to the shop. I talked about Christ. Got it fixed. Got things taken care of. Talked about Christ. No matter what his experience, he rejoiced. And he didn't have bad experiences. Because his purpose was to talk about Christ. So no matter the experience, it was another opportunity. To fulfill his purpose to talk about Christ. That's kind of the picture I get of Paul here. Stan was the only guy I could think of that had the kind of experience Paul has. He says, I'm imprisoned in Rome, and I want you to know that's a good thing. It's like, none of us would write that letter, would we? We would say, this is miserable. Please get me out of here. And Paul is thinking, no, this is great. I get to advance the gospel. Everybody knows I'm talking about Christ, and Christ is, is going forth in ways that it would have never happened unless I had been in prison. So being in prison is a good thing. Changed is our perspective when we think about why we are here, what really matters. Well, Paul has this um, 
unusual experience of actually seemingly, I mean, I get the idea that he's a little bit excited about being in jail. And he's there because he gets to share Christ. Well, I want us to look. He gets to share Christ through his circumstances. He goes to court, gets to share there. He gets to share with other Christians. Let's look at the circumstances so we can really embrace and feel where he's at. So I'm going to walk you through Acts, the book of Acts, where Paul is going to prison, in prison, uh, while he's writing to the Philippians. So look at Acts chapter 21, 21 verse 28, and we'll just go through this fairly uh, quickly, just to get the history of what's going on in Paul's life. So Acts 21, verse 28. Crying out, men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere. I mean, that's kind of a huge statement. Paul, where have you been preaching? I've been preaching to everyone everywhere. That's big. He said, well, this is the guy who's doing that. Against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, an Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him in to the temple. So this is where we're beginning. Paul is preaching Christ to everyone, everywhere, and people don't like it. Especially the Jews, who were not followers of Christ, and others. They want to persecute, they want to send him to jail. Um, Look over at chapter, uh, same chapter, verse 30. Uh, 30, Let's see if I can find verse 30. Verse 30. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul, and they dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. And when the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains, he inquired who he was and what he had done. So I presume two chains means your hands are bound and your feet are bound. So, you know, you're just barely walking. But Paul was getting to preach and teach about Christ. Even he was getting beaten before the soldier came and stopped it. Uh, Look at chapter 22, verse 24. The tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging. So he's about to, he was beat with the crowd. Now he's about to get flogged. That gets stopped too. Chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. And then looking, so he gets to stay in jail, and then he goes before the council. Verse 23, chapter 23. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded that those who stood by him strike him on the mouth. And Paul said to him, God's going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet, contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. 
So even, I mean, if the judge ordered you or me to be struck before we even get to tell our case, it's like, uh, not a good, this is not going to be, it's not going to end well. It's not a good day. But those kind of things just didn't seem to uh, keep Paul from sharing his faith, sharing that he lives by the law of God. Um, Look at verse 12 of chapter 23. And it was day... When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. Wow. Got a group of people says, we don't want to kill him. Now you know why he likes being in jail. At least he escapes that crowd. Chapter 24, verse 5. He says, for we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Uh, we sometimes forget that a lot of the persecution Christians were under, and Paul, you certainly see it here, in the New Testament or in the first generation after the time of Christ, the persecution came from Jews. Because Jews didn't like the Christians saying the way, the, the real way to heaven, the real way is through Christ. And they're persecuting and they're persecuting unto death. They want to kill people like Paul. Just as they wanted to kill Jesus. Paul understands that. Doing nothing wrong. Just talking about the way is Christ. That's the gospel. The good news is that we can go to heaven through Christ. So chapter 24. Look over chapter uh, 24 verse 26. 27 says, and at the same time, he hoped that money would be given him. So this is uh, before Felix in the court said, maybe Paul will come up with money to buy his way out of here. Um, so he sent him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcus, Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. So now he's been there two years, um, and he's preaching from there. He's writing letters that we have from there. Chapter 25, verse 7, he's obviously having a gospel conversation with Felix as often as Felix wants to have him in. Verse 7, when he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him, that they could not prove. So he gets his court case from time to time, and they still can't prove all the things that uh, they're trying to prove about him. Um, Paul's just in a fix over and over and over again. Um, Chapter 28, verse 16. Let's end it up. Chapter 28, verse 16. Well, almost in. Let me... Do two passages here. 28 verse 16. And when he came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Look up down at verse 30 and 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So the last two years, the chains are off, but he's housebound. Said, you know... You find out ways to pay for your food and water. So churches are supporting him. 
he's able to stay there still waiting for a court case to get out. But while he's there, he's not hindered from advancing the gospel. And so he says, no need to go anywhere. I'm not trying to escape because I get to preach and teach every day. People show up at my doorstep. I get to send the message out. Churches are being started. I'm able to write the letter to Philippians. I'm, I'm able to do all this stuff while in prison. Paul says, I want you to know it's turning out pretty good. Um, I go out to preach and I'm getting to do it all the time with everyone, everywhere. That's kind of the conclusion. Um, verse 12 of Philippians 1. I want you to know. I want you to know this. I don't want you just to skirt by it. Um, have you ever felt like the Apostle Paul? Probably, has any of us? I mean, it's like, what an experience. I don't know anybody in this category. Um, maybe you don't either, but he knew what he lived for. That's one of the takeaways for me. What do you live for? Paul had evaluated what he lived for. He lived to share Christ. The good news is that there is a trip to heaven through Christ. It's called the gospel. He says, that's what I live for. I live to tell people that because I find that everywhere I go, people don't know that. And that's the gospel truth. That's the truth. They've been led by the, blue, by the Jews to believe that you have to work for salvation through keeping the law. He says, that doesn't get you there. Other people think that they've adapted that to their own thinking and just, I just need to be a good person, a good man, a good woman, a good child. And if there's a heaven or hell, I'll be okay. I'll outweigh the rest. Paul says that's not true. All of those people are going to hell. Good news is you can get to heaven through Christ. Trust him. Paul says that's what I live for. I live to tell a story the world seems to ignore and push off in ignorance. To play with sin, they're pushing off an eternity with Christ. We don't have to be Paul. We don't have to be a preacher or a missionary. But do we not live for that truth? That Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? Do we not embrace that? We do as believers. That he's the, our only hope. He's our only hope of salvation. Is that we're in his hand and he doesn't turn us loose when we die. That even the passage Jonathan read earlier. If we die with him, if we die to sin, we live with him. We're resurrected with him to life eternally. Um, evaluate while we're living. It's so easy, is it not? To get sidetracked, distracted, and you're not living for that at all. You're living for the next meal. You're living to pay a bill. You're living for your sports team. You're living for a new set of clothes. I mean, we, we live for a new car. We live for a new house. I just put down sod. I've been living for grass for about 20 years. You know, why do we live? Evaluate it. Because... We know it's going to come to an end. Nobody's ever escaped. 
And God's going to say, so why were you alive? Why were you alive on earth? What's going to be the evaluation? There, there needs to be some measure for us to say, I didn't do it perfectly. I didn't do it every day, everywhere, with everyone. I don't reach that standard. But I did live for Jesus. And I did speak for Jesus. And my life was about Jesus, not just about me. I had this awareness that where I was and what I was doing and those that I was around, I was a representative of Christ. And sometimes I really succeeded at, do, at being a good representative of Christ. Other times, not so much. Can we at least get that far? You remember the story of Joseph, right? Uh, his brothers, uh, when they see him coming in his multicolored uh, coat, and they didn't like him. He was a young brother. They despised him because he was the favorite child. And as the favorite child, they came up with a scheme. Let's take the coat off of him. Let's make him naked. I can say it. I'm a southerner, right? And throw him into a pit. Joseph's in a pit, naked, and then a band of people come by and they say, Hey, I'll tell you what, instead of abusing him, let's sell him like he's a slave. And Joseph goes into slavery. You can read it in Genesis 37 through 47 of that book. And he spends years in prison, a decade, moving from several different prisons. Do you hear him complain? Even when the brothers show back up, the complaints aren't there. Why? He had evaluated why he was here on earth. And he says, you brothers of mine, you meant evil against me. I saw it in your eyes. saw it in your heart. saw it in your actions. I know you wanted my demise. He says, but God made it for good. God turned it into good. I'm now the savior of Egypt. I'm now the savior of the Jews because God is using me. He used my imprisonment to train me how to lead in biblical God-word ways. And it's blessing the whole world. Different kind of advancing the gospel through Joseph. Can we be somewhere in between? Your, your circumstances. Don't have a pity party today. This, this advancing the gospel thing is, hey, I can do that anytime, with anyone, anywhere. I don't need my circumstances to be right. One of the things it teaches me, too, is um, I hear people say, I don't have. Don't have time, don't have ability, don't have money, don't have skill, don't have words, mouth, whatever. Paul is saying 
He is confined in prison. I don't know where you're confined. You might be confined in your speech. You might be confined in your finances. You might be confined in your abilities. Paul is confined. He's restrained. He's got, at, at points in the story, he's got chains on arms and legs. And he's advancing the gospel. So one of the principles I think we can get here is that even in your confinement and my confinement, the gospel can be uh, advanced, not confined. God is not restricted by your confinement. As a matter of fact, sometimes your confinement is the very tool he wants to use to advance the gospel because people are listening to you now. You got nothing. You say, but I got Jesus. And it's a whole lot more than I need. Because I'm going to be with him in glory because I have him. That's good news. That's advancing the gospel. So the circumstances that you're in may be really tough. It's not likely they're as tough as Paul's. But they can be really, really, really tough. And you can be really, really confined. And the gospel can be advanced. You can share it with a friend, you can share it with a guard, you can share it with a teller, you can share it at the clerk, you can share it with your kids, you can share it with a spouse. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Thought about Jesus today? Thought about how good it is to be in Christ and to be with Christ? That's advancing the gospel. And that's what Paul was doing. You know, think about a whole church. We went through a time... I don't know how many years ago it was now, 15 plus years ago, that was a very painful church split. Those were not comfortable circumstances. Can we advance the gospel when the circumstances are really painful and not comfortable? Not long after that, a man came through visiting and I said, I haven't seen you before. He says, my first time. I said, okay. I said, uh, love to meet with you, kind of share with you a little bit about the church. And he said, I'm not sure anybody here can help me. I've already heard about this church. I said, oh, okay. Um, well, what, it, what kind of help do you need? He says, I really need some man to sit down with me, maybe go to some place in town. Let's have a drink. I need, I need to share my story. That's the way he put it. He says, I know there's nobody in this church that will do that. And I said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, I know a whole group of men in this church that will do that. He says, have a drink with me and hear my story. I said, absolutely. Because through our circumstances, we had gotten to that point. We weren't there before. He had heard the old new covenant. He hadn't heard the new covenant. New, new covenant. Is that a, can I say that? New, new covenant. We're double new covenant. Through our circumstances that were painful and hurtful, and none of us would want to do it again, the gospel has expanded. Whereas we had grown 500 plus folks, lost 350, now we've grown to 500 plus folks again, different folks. And the gospel is expanding and growing, and we need twice the parking lot we once needed. And the school is growing um, and need twice the space. 
that's advancing the gospel, what happened? Some of us got serious about Christ instead of playing church. And let's live for Jesus this time. Let's do it better this time. Let's do it different this time. But let's make sure we do it with Christ and that he's, he's talked about. And good news in Christ is the forefront. Well, let me just move on. Philippians chapter 1. You forgot where I was, right? Verse 13, court. So that it, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard um, that, and, and the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul says, not just my circumstances, but my imprisonment, now having to work through the courts, it is for Christ. He saw that. The Roman governors began to see that. This whole imperial guard uh, began to see that. Paul had to spend time with the courts. He had to come before the judges. Some liked him, some didn't. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. He was definitely confined. Somebody told him when to get up, when to go to bed, where to go. Um, Paul sought to share Christ, even in the courts. Use our confinements. Use our restrictions. I'll move down. Verse 14. Uh, and, and most of the brothers, and now we're switching to Christians. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. It says the Christians around me, they are growing. Paul's having a discipleship effect on them. They are growing to be more bold. They're growing. Some of them are teachers. Some of them are speakers for Christ. The timidity's gone, and others are sharing Christ. Paul's excited about that. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Verse 28, same chapter. And, and not frightening anything by your opponents. In other words, there were Christians that were afraid to mention the name of Christ. And then when Paul shows up and he shares Christ, it doesn't matter if they, they pull him out to beat him or put him in chains. He shares Christ. And the brothers are seeing fruit from that. Fruit from that. It's fruitful. Churches are growing. Lives are changing. Uh, the body is starting to take care of one another and love one another. And they cre it creates within them a boldness that they're not frightened anymore. They're not afraid. It's okay if you're at a place in your life where you're afraid of speaking about Christ in public. And yet, we need to get beyond that. We need to get to a place where that's not happening how do you do that? I think we've got to get around examples of people who do it. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up with an example of somebody sharing Christ. You know, it wasn't until, like I said, I was a senior in high school that I met Stan that sharing Christ with everyone everywhere. But I didn't get to hang out with him very long. And without examples, most of us, we really just don't know what we're doing. I'm a better follower of an example than I am at creating it on my own. 
or just being taught it and then going out and doing it. We need examples. If you're sharing Christ, you can take someone with you. You can share your example with others. It creates a boldness in the body of Christ to continue to share Christ. That was happening, and through that, the gospel was advancing. It wasn't just in the courts through Paul's mouth, circumstances through Paul's mouth, but it was with other Christians. They were taking it and sharing it. Sharing it. You know, uh, how do you share Christ? Here, here's the significant thing that I think we need to remember. You're going to be more effective sharing Christ if you love Christ. Why? We commend what we cherish. If you cherish Clemson football, what do you do? You talk about Clemson football. Whatever you really love, you talk about. If you really love something, you talk about it. You got the point, right? You really love Christ, you will talk about Christ. If you're not talking about Christ, you've got to evaluate, where's my heart? What's first? Where's my love? We commend what we cherish. That's just something we naturally do. If I cherish Christ, I will commend him to you. I will talk about him to you. I will tell my kids of Christ. I will pray with them for Christ because I love Christ so. So the gospel can be advanced through us. Let's say you say, David, I'm struggling here. I, I do love Jesus, but I'm not commending him. Well, think about the ways you can do that. I shared those last week, I think, when we were talking about uh, church growth model that Paul gives us in Philippians 1 about doing things, and you're growing the church if you encourage someone in Christ. You're growing the church if you take a meal. You're growing the church if you're giving tithes and offerings, and you're giving above that. And the, the Philippian church was doing all these things. Remember that list? I said, I want you to see the things the Philippian church was doing. It. And all of the things they were doing was advancing the gospel. It was commending Christ. So don't think that you only commend Christ by being a preacher or by giving some sort of gospel diagram to someone. No, you can commend Christ by saying, come worship with me. You know, on Sundays, I, I knock off and I spend time at my Savior's feet. And people say, what? Oh, yeah, I have a Savior. And I like to bring him stuff. And I like to give him praise. And I like to hang out with people he's changing. That's commending Christ. But just like the woman at the well, I can't tell you much, but I can, I can point you to the one who changed my life. Come out and see him. Visit him. So your love for your church is commending Christ. And you invite people to come with you. That is advancing the gospel. You take a meal to your sick neighbor in the name of Christ. Why are you doing this? Nobody else on the street's done it. Because Christ changed my life. Share just a testimony. I'm different. I've been, I'm a life that's changed. And that's advancing the gospel. Write the note. Send the encouragement. Send the text. Make the voicemail. That's advancing 
the gospel if you're doing it in Christ and for Christ. Many ways. Faithfulness in, in giving and building up, making disciples, growing the church from the infants all the way up is advancing the gospel. And Paul was seeing it happen while he was in prison. You can sit in your chair and see it happen. But you've got to reach out and advance the gospel. Through our circumstances, through other Christians, we can be good advancers of Christ. Let's move on. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, 15 through 18. Several different motives come up. Two groups. One group doesn't like Paul. One group does. And Paul says, some of the people that are sharing Christ, they do it out of goodwill. They do it out of love. Um, some, not so much. They don't have love for Christ. They don't really proclaim Christ with right motives. Those two groups still exist. Some people who get on the Christian bandwagon and they do something, even start churches. Some is without the love of Christ. Some is with the love of Christ. And we've seen it. Um, ask yourself, maybe this is a good question to evaluate. Are you advancing the cause of Christ with respectable motives or not? Well, it, if, if you could see one person saved in your life, why would you want them saved? Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's somebody you work with. If you could see one person saved, why would you want them saved? If your answer is, well, it'd make my life a whole lot easier, check your motive. If the answer is, it'd make their life a whole lot easier, check your motive. And sometimes those are our motives. What's the answer need to be? For the glory of Christ. I want God to change lives and grow His church for His glory. For the advancement of His kingdom, His church, for His purposes, not my own. My purposes tend to be make my life easier, make your life easier. And God says, well, maybe I want to send you to prison. Maybe that's not why you're here, is to have easy. We all want an easy button. And God says, no, that's not the purpose. So evaluate your motive. Paul's motive was clear. Others were getting confused as to why we're really in this business. Because it's not making it easier for me. Paul said it was never intended to make it easier. So the motive question here is, is very important. Some preach, but they're envious. They just want a better life. They're a rival. They want to win they want to compete with others and beat them. They want the bigger church. They want the bigger crowd. He said, I get that. Some do it out of love. He said, I'm here for the defense of the truth, the gospel, for the glory of God. Um, so let's evaluate where we're at there, our motives, rival motives, respectable motives. The result should be Verse 18, what then? Paul says, people are still doing it one way or the other. 
He says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He says, there's a sense in which we've seen the story in the Old Testament, even a dumb donkey could have a God-sent message. He says, I don't really care who's, who's saying it, who's doing it, how it's coming out, just as long as it's getting out. The gospel's being advanced. We do need to evaluate our motives, and we do need to grow into a righteous behavior and lifestyle. But Paul says there's a sense in which I am so on this earth to advance the, co- the cause of Christ, I don't care how it happens, just as long as it happens. Just as long as Jesus is lifted up. It's King Jesus that I serve. And the world gets that. Um, Paul's not talking about a different gospel here. That's Galatians 1. He says somebody's preaching a whole different gospel. They should be accursed. He's talking about the right gospel just done with bad motives. He says the motives need to be fixed. But I would just want to see Christ exalted. And the church grows. Um, how do we get saved? Romans ten fourteen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We got to get the word out. That's advancing the gospel. Is getting the scripture into others. Let's do the invitations. Let's share Christ. Let's share our example. Let's invite people to be with us. Um, advancing the gospel is not a Paul thing. It's not a preacher thing. All the brothers Paul mentions here, the church, it's a church thing. And as we as a church, we can evaluate that, think about that today. Uh, if somebody didn't do it in front of us, you know, we wouldn't have it, right? Somebody shared the gospel with me. Somebody shared the gospel with you. Shared the gospel with me at a Methodist camp. Most everybody there were unbelievers. And yet the gospel went forth. Not sure of their motives. But it went out. I know their motives were to trick me to be more involved in church because they told me that. They needed youth workers. And I was willing. They tempted me with pretty girls and sports. Just come. Lead to camp. I'm not a believer. I shouldn't be there. I shouldn't be leading. They ah, come on. Bad motives. But while I was there, somebody wanted to share Christ with me. And my life changed. Because somebody somewhere told me what the truth was. And I'd been in church all my life and never known about Christ, how I needed him, how I needed to trust him. So maybe that's where you are. You've been in church a long time. So I, you know, I never really evaluated why I was on earth, what the message was. Trust Christ as your Lord. That means you serve him as your Savior. He's the only hope, the only way to heaven. His righteousness, his works, his life have to be substituted for yours. Trust that. That's trusting facts. Really happened for your salvation. If you'll trust him, you'll believe in him. You can be his and you can live for him. 
and have value and significance in all you do. Let us be that kind of church as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time to evaluate a very tough lifestyle of a very needed, persecuted believer that has led us over and over and over to Christ. Father, let us be those who lead others to Christ, regardless of our confinements, regardless of our gifts or abilities. Let us stop our complaining and start our exalting of Christ in front of others so their lives might know the truth, hear the truth, embrace the truth, and be yours for your glory and for your honor. Father, for those in this room this morning who have not yet made Christ their all in all, may they surrender completely to you as their Lord. May they trust you wholly for their salvation, for their ticket to heaven. Father, thank you for the truth that leads us there. Uh, Don't turn us loose, Lord. Convict us by your spirit of your word and your truth. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name.